This is the Life Church Podcast. Well, as uh, ushers are, pa- are receiving a tithes and offering, I'm just going to go ahead and get started. We've been in this series called Eight Hills, where we've been talking about the, uh, the values of Life Church, the, the eight values that we have. And so if you're a newcomer today, if this, today is the first day you've been here or, or maybe the second time, you've missed more than half of what, we, uh, what our values are. We're on value number six right now. So if you'd like to know more about that, if you'd like to go back, we have vi- the video online, we have an audio, audio podcast online as well, you can go back and listen to the, the previous five. But today we're going to look at our sixth value, which is relevance. Relevance. And this goes like this. Uh, irrelevance is irreverence. Therefore, we affirm the need to do new things in new ways without compromising the message of Jesus Christ. Now, it's going to sound kind of strange what I'm about to say, but I want you to track with me. Today, I don't really want to talk about relevance. The truth is, you either are or you're not relevant. And I discovered this week that I'm losing my relevance, <laughs> I guess, is the way I could, I could say that. I, was, uh, I actually walked in uh, earlier this week, we're talking about this message today, uh, with Jairus, our youth pastor, He've, he was actually the guy that was on the video earlier, and, um, and Tony Meyer, our worship pastor, was also in the room, and uh, so I walked in, and we're talking about the sermon, this, today's sermon, which is about relevance, and I'm asking some questions, and our youth pastor said, hey, why don't you just title the sermon, Stay Woke, like W-O-K-E, to which I replied, I'm like, uh, does that mean like stay awake? And, and then Jairus and Tony busted out laughing. I mean, they're just laughing their head off at me, you know, which I fired them right away. And uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and then Jairus said, no, 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 stay woke. That, that's just how people are saying you're relevant. You know, you're woke, you know, because you, you're, you're aware, you're in the times, you understand what's going on, you know. And so if you didn't know that, there you are. You're welcome. Now you know, uh, now you're relevant. You just say, hey, I'm woke. Okay, that sounds terrible. <laughs> they, they, were, they said, they're, they're going to go back and look at the video and make fun of me about how I try to be relevant by using that language. Anyways, um, but here's what I want to say about our, our, our value. When Jesus walked the earth, he came as a living, breathing human. He donned the, 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 the uniform of a carpenter. He spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, by the way, not English, just in case you're wondering about our English Bible. Those words have been translated from another language. That's the language that he spoke. Um, it's true, the Bible says he, is, he was God, but it also tells us that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, that, that in many ways... He was relevant to us. When God decided to speak to humankind, he, he used his son, Jesus, who came down and walked among us, spoke our language, told stories that were, that were relatable and understandable. See, when God decided to communicate to human beings, when God decided to communicate his love to each and every one of us, he didn't send his son in the form of some spirit being that would float across the earth three feet above the ground, you know, as being so holy. 
Jesus didn't land in Palestine as the son of God speaking in Chinese or Spanish. He spoke Hebrew. He spoke Aramaic. He spoke the languages that people could understand. He spoke, he told stories in ways that people were like, yes, I get that. He told, he gave farming illustrations and he gave illustrations about all kinds of different things that people understood and related to. Many ways, Jesus was really relevant. Here's what Mark Batterson says about this, pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. He says, God isn't just omniscient, which means he's all-knowing, not just omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, and not, and, and not just omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omnirelevant. He knows the number of hairs on, your, on our head. He knows every need, every need before we verbalize it, and he speaks more than six billion dialects. No one is more relevant than God. So, anything less than relevance is irreverence. Relevance equals reverence. Cultural relevance doesn't mean dumbing down or watering down the truth. So let's not, let's not go there with relevance. Let's not think that it's about just being cool and forgetting about what the Bible has to say. That's not what relevance is really about. It's not about dumbing down or watering down the truth. It's about incarnating timeless truth. God's word, timeless truth in timely ways, in ways that all of us can grasp and understand. That's really our goal and desire around here, is to do exactly that. Now, when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, this task of relevance, this task of communicating God to humankind, because that's what he came to do. He came to show us what God is like. And he spoke in ways that we could understand. And then when he was crucified and then taken up into heaven, he He tasked the church. He tasked us with that job. And so basically our job, right now you're in church. You probably use that language. I came to church today, right? But do you understand that you are the church? Not this building. Not this geographic location. You are the church. And you have been tasked with this job of being the church. Of incarnating what God is like here on earth. That's the job of the church, of speaking timeless truth in timely ways. And look, if the church loses its way and, stops become, and, stop, and becomes anything less than the church, we become irrele- irrelevant. In fact, I've said it many times, when we lose our way, when we stop being the church, the best thing that Life Church could do is close its doors. We don't, we're, because we're not, we're not being the church. We're not being relevant to this world. We're not connecting with this world. We're not actually creating a pathway for people to have a greater, deeper love of Christ when we stop being the church. In fact, Mark Batterson says that's, that's irreverent for us to, to not be that way. So uh, I'm gonna look at a, we're going to look at a picture of, of the church in Acts. So today what I want to do is actually instead of talking about relevance, I want to talk about what the church is, what the church looks like. What it's supposed to look like, right? I'm going to give you some images in a second here. But there's a great image of what the church is like. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Uh, Pastor Tony spoke on this passage a couple weeks ago. But here's how it goes. It says, they, talking about the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's God's word. And to fellowship. That's having relationships with one, one another. And to the breaking of bread. And in this context, we're talking about communion. And to prayer. So this church 
was a praying church. They were a church that was devoted to the teachings of Jesus. They were devoted to spending time together and be, living in community with one another. They were devoted to, to elevating the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for all of humanity. And they were devoted to prayer. Okay, that's what this church looks like. Then it goes on. As this church is being the church, this is what it says. Everyone was filled with awe. So as, we're, as, we're, as we live out being the church, everyone is filled with awe. And why are they filled with awe? Because many wonders and signs are performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This is what the church looked like. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court, so they gathered often. They broke bread in their homes. They had meals together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And this is that little piece right there that I want us to focus in on today. Enjoying the favor of all the people. There's something about, about this timely message that we have that connects with people. When people say, that, I need that. I'm connected to that. I'm, I'm willing to go in that direction because there is something that's calling me out. That's where relevance comes in. And then what does it say? And the Lord, because the church was being the church, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is what the church is supposed to look like. So what I want to do is I want to compare and contrast that image of church with some current images that we have of church. And I'll show you some pictures here in a second. But I think that as we see these images, it's going to capture how many of us think church is, and then I'm going to, we're going to kind of explain it along the way. So the first image is this. Uh, oftentimes we think of the church as a movie theater. A movie theater, right? Yep, it's a movie theater. All right? Now, what is a movie theater? A movie theater is a place where you go for a couple hours, and what do you go there for? To what? To watch a movie. To be entertained, yes, to be entertained. So that's why we go to movies, to be entertained. Maybe, you know, maybe you go there to be inspired a little bit. Maybe you've had a hard week and you go to watch a movie just to be distracted from everything at work, but that's what we go there. We go there to kind of receive something, to be entertained. And then when you walk out of the movie, what, what do you do? What, what is every, the, the normal person does when they walk out of having watched a movie? What, what happens? Huh? Go eat. That, yeah, yeah, we do that a lot too. But you become a critic, don't you, right? Like you become Roger Ebert. You're walking out like, yeah, it was all right, movie. It wasn't so good of a movie, you know. We kind of we critique the movie and we, we, we just talk about, what, you know, how long did it take to get to the plot? Did it just drag on? Was it too long? And we give it either two thumbs up or two thumbs down or one thumb up, one thumb down, you know, a so-so movie. And we do that. And I think oftentimes that's what we do when we come into this place as a church, so we come in, basically, to be entertained. We think of ourselves as the audience. We come here to be entertained, hopefully inspired. Maybe we laugh a little bit. Maybe we cry a little bit as we are in service here. And then we leave. And we don't intend on doing it this way, but we, begin, we, we, we start to critique. Right? It's not intentional, it's kind of done subconsciously, but we, we give it either two thumbs up or two thumbs down. Or ah, so-so. That's how this was, because we feel like we're the audience. So I guess what I'm trying to say here, and I just want to be real clear, is you are not the audience. It's not your fault. 
that you might have thought you're the audience because we talk that way. It's us. As we plan our services, as we plan everything we're doing, we kind of speak with that frame of reference. Like, you know, we're leading a worship service and there's people that are listening and that's we want to make sure we're doing everything right. In fact, we have an audience right now online that are watching, you know, and, and we, we see it as that. We can make that distinction. But you need to understand, if you're the church, you are not the audience. You're not really here to be entertained, You're not the reason why we've gathered to, together. There is an audience, but you're not it. The audience is God. And we're here to worship God. That's why we gather, is to worship God, to lift up his name. I like what it says in Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves. I love that word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word's a very important word, devoted Right? They were committed to, to something. It was a, a way of life for them. It wasn't about entertainment. It was about how they were going to live their everyday life. They were devoted to, to the apostles' teaching. That's why our very first value that we started off talking about in this series was biblical truth. It's about God's word. God's word guides us. God's word leads us. It inspires us. Oftentimes, God's word challenges us. Right? It's not about entertainment. It's about how God's word intersects our everyday life, whether it's our marriage, our finances. Chris was talking about giving of your time. You know, God's word is intersecting that part of your life. Whether it's your dating life, whether it's your career choices, all of those kind of things that we, that we do every single day, we want God's word to intersect. We want God's timeless truth to intersect that part of our life. And when it does, when it does, we begin to understand more about who God is, Right? So we strive to communicate God's word, God's timeless truth in timely ways. We see that earlier, in, I read Acts 2, 40, 42, but in, in verse 37, Peter's preaching a sermon. And it's interesting how the people respond. Listen to this. It says, when the people heard this, talk about God's word, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and, to, and, to, and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, we have traditionally translated that they were cut to the heart because the anointing of God was so strong on Peter that they were just cut to the heart. I believe in that. I believe in the anointing of God. But you know what I really think was happening here? Is that Peter got up and he was pretty relevant. He said, listen, you guys out there, you crucified him. <laughs> you were the, 40 days ago, remember that guy that was hanging on a cross 40 days, everybody called him the Messiah? You guys are responsible for his death. And let me explain something to you about his death and who he is as a person. The Bible says of old that he would be the Messiah who's going to come and set you guys free from all your sin. So he was speaking, Peter was speaking timeless truth in a very timely fashion. And they heard this and they put the pieces of the puzzle together and finally they said, whoa, yes, we are responsible. And they were cut to the heart and they asked, what should we do, brothers? My prayer for us is that we would have that same kind of spirit as we come here, we don't come here to be entertained, but we come here to hear what God has to say. And as God's word intersects our life, we would have that same spirit, that our attitude would be what needs to change in me. Not, hey, how good was the service? How great was the song service? No. What needs to change in me? In fact, my, one of my prayers every Sunday, every Sunday morning I pray this. In fact, if they, we have a pre-service uh, meeting in here, and if, I, if, we, if they ask me to pray during this pre-service meeting, I, I will always pray this. God, let every person who walks through those doors not leave the same way they came in. 
Because I believe that God wants to intersect your life and he wants to change your life. So the relevant church is not a movie theater. It's a church that aligns itself with God's truth and the teachings of Jesus. And it speaks about those in timely ways. That's really what the relevant church is. We are not the audience. So you're here not as the audience. You're here because you're a worshiper. You're here because God wants to do something in your life and you're ready to receive what God wants to do in your life. Another image we have of, of church oftentimes is that of a retail store or like a shopping center, right? So what do we do at retail stores? What do we do at shopping centers? We shop, right? We go there to get things that, that we want and if we can't find what we're looking for and we want it at a certain price and if we can't find what we're looking for, we can't find the price that we want, we then go somewhere else to look for it until we find what we want, right? That's what we do when we shop. Everyone, everyone in this room, every one of us in this room, at some point in our lives, do some shopping. Even if we're doing it online, we do some shopping. And what's interesting is that this language, this consumer language, has actually kind of crept into the church a little bit uh, to the point that I've actually heard, I've been, you know, many, multiple times in conversation with somebody that I meet here coming to church, and we start talking, I shake their hands, and we have a cordial conversation, and they'll say, these words come out, I'm, we're just church shopping. Now, I, I, don't, I get it. I understand that. I understand that they're looking for a community to be, get plugged into and all of that, but this idea of church shopping is very, it's something that's very interesting because it's, it's the consumer language that we, that we use here in our day and time. But that's not what we find in the early church. What we find is a group of people that were deeply committed to the fellowship. They were deeply committed and devoted to one another. That's what it says in, in, in Acts 2.44. See, this church, they weren't customers. They were family. What it says, all the believers were together that word together is a very strong word. They were united. They were together and had everything in common. There was this unity, this idea of unity, this idea of togetherness, this idea of family, of brothers and sisters that had everything in common. But they didn't really have everything in common. I mean, they, I'm sure they had different opinions about stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure some had different tastes. You know, not, maybe some people like spicy food and other people didn't like spicy food. I don't know. But there was something that was unifying them. There was a person that was unifying them. What they had in common was Jesus Christ. That's what brought them, that's what made them family, is that Jesus is what they had in common. Now, talking about family, as I think about the early church, the church is not a bunch of shoppers or consumers. The church is a family. If I think about that church, that's, that idea sounds very familiar to me. I can't tell you the number of times I've been talking to people and they'll say, man, I was, I've been living in this neighborhood and like for years and I've been walking by this house for like eight years or 10 years and, and, and my dog, I've even been walking my dog, my dog has even pooped in this guy's yard and I just discovered that they go to church with me. We're brothers and sisters in the same church. Or maybe somebody says, I, I was at work and I met this other person and discovered they're a believer and, and, and it's, so, it's so exciting. We're doing life together. They discovered they had family. They don't believe everything the same, but they have family because Christ is united, uniting them. Or you come to Life Church and you start, you decide you're going to fill out one of these attend one, serve one cars, and you join a serve team. And before long, man, you just, 
You can't live without those people that you're serving alongside with because they're your family. We're not customers. We're a family, right? This is what we've been called to as a church, to be brothers and sisters in a family, to put others' others' needs ahead of our own. We sacrifice for one another. We serve one another. You see, when you're shopping and there's only one item left on a shelf, if you're shopping, like just shopping for stuff, if there's only one left, you're like, hurry up and grab it. That's how you shop, right? That's why one of my most despised days of the year is Black Friday. I can't stand Black Friday because it's this idea of everybody out for themselves. But that's not what the church is. The church is a family that says, I look out for you and there's only one left. I want you to have it because you need it. That's what the church does. So I want to challenge you. You may be here and you're afraid to make a commitment to this church. You may be worried or afraid of what it's going to cost you, but you need to understand that this is where the joy is found. Because in committing, you become a part of the family. You become a family member. That's the power of this. I want you to be forewarned, forewarned though. Um, We do have a few dysfunctional family members. There's a few Cousin Eddie's walking around here. You know who you are. Or you may not know who you are, but we know who you are. (laughs) Yeah, whatever, right? But that's what's awesome about a family, right? Because we're family. So I'm inviting some of you who've just been shopping to step over that line and make a commitment. It's for your own good. It's for the good of all of us that you say, I'm not just going to be a consumer here. I'm going to be a family member here, right? Another image that we find that captures the current idea of church is that of a restaurant. A restaurant is one of my favorite restaurants, Cheesecake Factory. I just... just Explain why, why what you see up here is what you see up here. Well, I like Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> um, now, if you go to a restaurant, you know, what, what you, you expect to what? Be served and waited on, right? Can you imagine walking into a restaurant one day and you walk in and uh, maybe a Cheesecake Factory and as you're walking in, the, the, uh, the, the person, the hostess or the host has a dirty dish top cloth in their hand and they say, Hey, welcome to Cheesecake Factory. Look, there's a bunch of tables back there in the corner. If you'll just take this and go wipe them down and sit, you can sit over there. And then after you sit down, you're there waiting for, to put your order in. And uh, the, the, the server comes and says, listen, we're really, really slammed today. If you could help out in the kitchen, just get them cooking done. And then when you finish doing that, we will, I promise we'll get your food out as quickly as we can. My guess is that's not a very good business model for a restaurant. At least I don't think I would eat at that restaurant, right? And yet I think that's how many of us think about church. It's a place that we are expecting to be waited upon, where we come here to be served. In fact, I've heard these words way too many times. I want to be in a place where I get fed. I want to be in a place where I get fed. Now, I, I believe in that. I, you know, I hope that you're getting fed. I hope that when you come here, you don't walk out saying, nah, I, didn't, I didn't understand anything. I hate spinach, and he, all he served was spinach, you know. I hope that that's not what the case for you, but, but it's not just about being fed. It's not just about, about being waited upon. 
So you need to understand something. That spiritual growth and spiritual maturity happen best in the kitchen than at the dining table. Are you hearing me? I don't know if you got my metaphor there. Spiritual growth and spiritual maturity happens better in the kitchen than it does at the dining table. So if you're waiting to be served, yes, you'll get served and you'll grow some, but you're not going to grow to the full capacity until you just get your hands dirty and you start wiping some tables down. So some of you need to push away from the table. You need to push away and start getting your hands dirty, getting in the kitchen. I like what verse 45 says. It says, it's talking about this church, this spirit of selflessness. It says, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. There was this, this selfless service that marked the early church. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it ha- it's happened to me a few times. Like, you know, you're shopping in a store somewhere, you know, and like it, for me, it always happens in Target. Like I'm in Target and, uh, and inevitably somebody's, if, I, if I'm there long enough, inevitably somebody's going to walk up to me and say, uh, sir, could you tell me how much this costs? Or could you show me where the, where the dishes are? Can you show me where the toys are? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't work here, <laughs> you know? Why are you asking me? You know, in fact, uh, one Christmas season, it happened to me twice, like within 30 minutes at Target. I'm standing there, you know, somebody came and asked me and then, and then they came up again the second time and asked me, and I'm like, am I wearing khaki pants and a red, red polo shirt or something? Because why are they asking me? There's some confusion going on, right? And so the point of my story is don't wear khaki pants and a red polo shirt to Target. No, that's not the point. But here, here's the point. I would love for us to have that kind of confusion here at Life Church, where people don't really know who, who works here and who doesn't work here where people don't really know who's the minister and who's not the minister. I would love for people just to come and say, hey, you know what, I have a question, and just walk up to any the, the random members of Life Church, Because the Bible talks about this priesthood, of, 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 this, priesthood uh, that, that, this holy priesthood, and that all of us really are ministers, every single one of us. So wouldn't that be awesome if all of us were just being confused? Like, are you Pastor Rich? You may not want that. That may not be a compliment for you, but, but you know what I'm saying? That they, there's this confusion about who really works here and who doesn't work here because we're not here to be served and waited upon. We're here to give ourselves away to others. We're not customers. We're servants. Here's the last image I want to end with. It's the image of a gym. Have a picture. At least I think that's what it looks like on the inside of a gym. I'm not sure. <laughs> So you, you might say, well, wait a minute, Rich. The, the metaphor is not working here because isn't a gym a place where you go to, to, to get, like, get in shape? Like, isn't that really what a church should be is a place where people go and they kind of, their lives get fixed up and get in shape? And yes, that is actually true, but that's not really what the, the, the reality of gyms are. In fact, statistics show that gyms, most people who go to a gym that 93% of the people who go to gym are already in shape. They just go there to stay in shape. And then there's a 7% of us (laughs) that we go, you know, hoping that we don't get on the treadmill next to that guy that's just like, you know, going 80 miles an hour, you know, whatever. We kind of find that little corner in the gym where nobody can see us. I think oftentimes that's that's really the image that we have is that the 
that the church is really for people who have their act together, right? That they're in shape. It's not really for us. It's for those people who, who don't have all those problems in their life. And I have so many problems. It's not for me. That's not really, that's not really how it is. In fact, <clears throat> there's this gym in Chicago. It's called Downsize Fitness. Um, their, their requirements for membership, you know, it's like you pay membership. Their requirements for membership is you have to lose at least, you have to, you have to be there because you need to lose at least 50 pounds. You cannot be a member if you don't, if you, if you like only have to lose 10 pounds. You can, you have to be a member, you can only be a member if you have to lose 50 pounds or more to be a member of this gym. And here's what they said, their rationale for that is, oftentimes gyms are their own worst enemy because people who need their help the most don't feel comfortable in coming. So let's not be that. Let's not be that place that people don't feel comfortable coming, right? It's easy for us to come in this place and, you know, suck our spiritual gut in and act like we're, like we're all fit and we're all in shape and there's nothing wrong with me and I'm okay. And it's a lot of work to do that, but we, we do that to pretend like we have our act together, but the truth is all of us, all of us in this room have a need. Big needs, little needs, all of us have needs. All of us, God needs to work on us. That's why we have this saying around here, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. This speaks to relevance. We want this to be doors wide open for people that just are way out of shape spiritually and need God desperately. And then they join in and they become a part of this community and before long they're growing and their lives are being transformed. I like what verse 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As this church was being the church, God was adding to the church. The church was a place where outsiders were constantly, constantly becoming insiders. I don't know if you know this, but from time to time, we have somebody who, people who come in to, on Sunday mornings, they come to Life Church, but they don't come because of worship services or anything like that. They come to have a breakfast. They actually walk into our lobby, sit down, eat a donut, drink some coffee, and then leave. And the uh, person that was telling me this thought, they, 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 I, I think I surprised them with my reaction to it. They, I think they thought that I was going to say, we better lock those doors. We better put wristbands on. Everybody walks through. The, maybe that's what they expected to, to hear from me. But I was like, here was my reaction. Man, we should start serving lunch. That way they'll stay for the service and then have lunch afterwards, you know? That's what we should do. And I realize that that's a little bit, that might sound a little bit, you know, crazy. And it's messy. And I know there's security issues to that. I get all of that. But we want to be a place where you can come just as you are not stay that way I have a little saying on my whiteboard in my office it's been there since I put that whiteboard up and it goes like this belong believe become belong believe become belong believe become and that's the order in which I believe is how is what we're doing around here the work that we're doing around here we want people to first belong to this place and in belonging, as they become a part of what's going on around here, maybe they're even unsaved, but as they start belonging to this, they start believing something. They start seeing in our lives, the church's lives, they start seeing something different, something radical, something new, something fresh. And they start believing and they start saying to themselves things like, in fact, I had a conversation in the bathroom just after first service this morning 
where a guy told me that his, uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but basically was saying, you know, I've, I've been kind of last four years been following along here and I'm just, I know that God can heal me. I know that God can heal me. They started believing. They first were belonging, but they started believing. And in the believing, you become who God has called you to become. That's the journey that we're on in this place. Belong, believe, become. Listen, the church is not a movie theater. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to, you're not the audience, okay? We're not a shopping center where you're trying to get what you want. Not a restaurant to be waited upon or served. Not a gym where, you know, you're here to get in shape. In fact, the church is not a place at all. You are the church. You are the church. The church is a family. And together, we're all with, to the top of our lungs with our, with our best compassionate voice saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. So the challenge for us this morning is not just to kind of uh, figure out what, how I can be a better ch- church goer. The challenge is how we can be a better, how, how, how we can be better at being the church. So be the church. Be the church. Be the church. And when we do that, when we do that, we will be relevant in this community and lives will be changed. Numbers will be added to the church daily. Amen. Let's all stand. This is the Life Church Podcast. 